All right, when you get to the book of Habakkuk, you're, you're looking at a, a minor prophet. This is one of the minor prophets who we know nothing about in the Bible outside of a few things. We know he's a minor prophet. We know, according to Habakkuk chapter 3, that he is a songwriter, so he's a musician. But there's no genealogy or lineology for Habakkuk at all in the Bible. Study it out. Try to find it. If you find it, let me know. There's no genealogy for Habakkuk at all in the Bible. Apparently, apparently he is contemporary to the prophet Jeremiah because in chapter 1, as we'll see in a minute, God pronounces judgment on Judah from the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, and that judgment came during the time of prophet Jeremiah. So Habakkuk was a prophet and a musician during the time of Jeremiah, and he gets a message from the Lord, and I want to read a few thoughts here. If you were to outline this book, give you this little outline and then we'll get into chapter one if you were to outline the book you could uh, say chapter one is the perplexity of the prophet chapter number two is the perceptiveness of the prophet and then chapter number three you see the pleasure of the prophet now notice in this passage here going to read a few verses i'll give you the verses we're reading and then we'll get into the thought here uh, of what uh, habakkuk is prophesying and what he's saying Habakkuk is having a conversation with God. Now, some will tell you, some of the writers that I've read behind about him says he's writing a hymn as he's speaking to God. So you can keep that in mind as we study this. Chapter 1, verse number 2, Habakkuk says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Even crying to thee out of violence and thou wilt not save. Or even crying to thee of violence and thou wilt not save. Well, that sounds like America today. Cried out to God for your country. The violence that's taking place. Let me run a little rabbit here. Squirrel, sidetrack, ADHD. Everything that happened over the weekend in Clayton County. You're crying unto the Lord of violence. Beth and I, um, we do a breakfast date every week on Wednesdays. And yesterday morning, I got up and she said, you know... um, Chick-fil-A's giving away free biscuits this morning uh, down at Lake Dow. I said, let's go get breakfast. Kind of thought we'd have our breakfast date on Tuesday and I'd get out of Wednesday, but that didn't happen either, Brother Earl. Uh, so yesterday I got the free biscuit. Today I paid for it. Uh, but we walked in and we sat down to have a biscuit and three lady officers from Henry County walked in. And so we got through eating and I, I just walked up, Brother Don, sat down, pulled up a chair. I said, ladies, do you mind if I... If I interrupt y'all just a second, I said, I'm a pastor in Jonesboro, associate pastor. And I said, would y'all mind after all that happened this weekend, could I pray for y'all? And this one officer, she grabbed my hand. She said, oh, preacher, will you please pray for us? Feel like you're crying unto God of violence. The world's in a mess. Habakkuk's sitting in a mess. Judah's sitting in a mess. He says, Lord, I've cried unto you. And you've not heard me. Verse 3, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up, uh, raise up strife and contention. Whew, that's all around us. That's all around us. And then God, God answers him. In verse number 5, God says, Behold ye among the heathen. And regard and wonder marvelously. Boy, if you, if you behold who God is, you'll do that. Behold 
ye among the heathen, regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. God says, Habakkuk, you're crying to me, and I just want to let you know, I have heard your cries. But the reason I'm silent is because I'm tired of the violence. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of the idolatry. So I'm going to send judgment. And let me say, God is just and he can send judgment whenever and wherever he wants. Well, we ought to thank God for amazing grace that he's not poured it out on America. Because in all reality, God could have poured out all he wanted to on us. And he'd been just and right and the righteous judge. God says, Habakkuk, I'm going to pour out judgment. I'm going to send Babylonians down. They're going to take y'all captive. He said, they're going to take of the dwelling places that are not theirs. Now there's Habakkuk. Can you imagine standing, taking the message from the Lord? I, I want to tell you, if, if I knew how to write songs, you know, if I knew how to write songs and God come and told me I'm going to send judgment, I'd probably drop my pen and said, I don't want to write anymore. I, I don't want to write about this. Nabak is perplexed. He's greatly disturbed. The prince of the air has brought all this upon Israel. Let me say, let me say uh, it, it's not because the church isn't praying. Brother Don, I believe there's plenty of churches today praying. Now, I have no doubt that there are a lot of churches all over America, Brother Richard, that aren't praying, and they're not proclaiming the truth, and they're not standing for anything, but there's still a remnant. God will always have a remnant. There's still a remnant standing and searching and praying. There's still a remnant. Everything that's come upon this land, the violence, the disrespect, the evil, the contention, it's from the principality of the air. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The principality of the air has brought all this. And Habakkuk is so troubled. He's so wondering. He's so worried. He's so perplexed in his mind. That he's standing in awe of what God's about to do. And not knowing brother Don where to go or what to turn. He takes his thought just like King David in the middle of his perplexity. In the middle of his disturbance. And he sets his mind on God. Now that's the best thing to do. When you're struggling at two in the morning to go to sleep. And all, all your mind's racing 50 million miles an hour. Anybody in here know how that is? You can't shut it off. All those thoughts the devil's throwing at you. He takes his mind brother Steve. And he turns his heart. Oh, glory to God, Brother Matt. He turns his heart and his mind and he sets it on the one that he knows. He sets it on the one that he knows. In verse number 12, look what Habakkuk says. He says, this is what I know. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? Watch this phrase. Say it with me. Everybody together. We shall not die. We shall not die. O oh Lord, 
thou hast ordained them for judgment. Boy, he's got it. Habakkuk's got it. Lord, you've prepared them and you've ordained them for judgment. Lord, everything you're about to send, it's not taking you by surprise. You set it up. You've ordained it. You've ordained them for judgment. And almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Habakkuk understands, God, there's violence upon the land. The day is wicked. Everything around us is full of hell. And God says, I know. And I'm going to send judgment. And when Habakkuk gets his mind frame right on the God he knows, then he's able to say, God, you've got a purpose in it. You're doing it to correct Israel. You're doing it to correct Judah. But what does Habakkuk say about the God he knows? Let's just exalt the God he knows here in verse number 12. Can we enjoy this tonight about the God he knew? Young people get this. Uh, Seasoned people get this. The God he knew. He said, number one, art thou not from everlasting? He said, the God I know is eternal. The God I know is eternal. He's always been and he always has been. He had no beginning. He had no birth. He didn't need one. Uh, He's eternally exalted. Uh, He's going to say some things about his eternality here. He is the eternally exalted God. Isaiah 33, 5, the Lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. Everything about God is eternal. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Aren't you glad he's the eternal God that is your refuge? And underneath you are his everlasting arms. You're not falling out of that. I I said to the Sunday school class the the other week, uh, you are eternally secure in, in the hand of Jesus. You are eternally secure in the hand of Jesus. If that is little insignificant me, Brother Steve, if that piece of paper is little insignificant me, and I'm in the hand of Christ, and Christ's hand is in the hand of God the Father, how can little insignificant me ever get myself out of that? I am eternally secure, undergirded, have that right there, Chloe, undergirded by the everlasting arms of God. I didn't sneeze in it, okay? Or they're throwing at each other. That's little insignificant me. Be kind to it. Don't throw it anymore. You might hurt me. I am, un- I am on the everlasting arms of Christ. I'm safe and secure. Everything about him is eternal. His refuge is eternal. His life is eternal. John 3, uh, 3 15 and 16. His home is eternal. 2 Corinthians 5, 1. I'll not read all these. We'll be here a long time. His purpose is eternal. Ephesians 3, 11. His spirit is eternal. Hebrews 9, 14. He's an eternal God. He's always been. His redemption is eternal. Amen. Praise God. You don't, you do not have to worry as some people do. And some denominations do. Young people, listen to me. If you have trusted Christ, Chloe, have you trusted Christ with all your heart? Is Jesus your Savior? Yes, sir. Sure, he's your Savior. You do not have to worry about one sin that will separate you from God. Can you imagine living in a church that teaches you can sin and lose your salvation? 
I'd hate to think which sin it was that separated me from God. And Brother Earl, if I were to commit that sin and be separated from God and die right there on that spot, I'd go to hell. Who would want to live that way? I am in the eternal hands of God. And I cannot do anything about that to separate myself from being the son of God. Just like Landon Allen cannot separate himself from being the son of Tom Allen. Everybody in here knows I have to claim him. And praise be to God, Brother Steve, Jesus Christ gets to claim me. Because Brother Don, I'm a son of God. To the eternal God of redemption. I am a son of God. The power of God is eternal. The glory of God, 2 Corinthians 4.17. The salvation of God, Hebrews 5.9. The judgment of God, Mark 3.29. The inheritance of God, amen. There is an inheritance for the believer that is eternal. Where rust and moth does not corrupt. The inheritance of God is eternal. Psalm 90 verses 1 and 2. The psalmist said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. He's the eternal God. Because God is eternal. His character is eternal. His love is eternal. His peace is eternal. His mercy is eternal. His compassion is eternal. His pity is eternal. Uh, His tenderness is eternal. He is the everlasting God. We serve a God that changes not. He is everlasting. He is eternal. Thou art from everlasting. What did Habakkuk know? God was eternal. He said, I know he's eternally existent. He said, thou art from everlasting, O Lord, my God. Habakkuk said, he's not just Lord, he's mine. And because he is personally mine, he is self-existent and he needs none other. Said it. He had no beginning. He had no birth. He was dependent upon no one to exist. You say, Brother Tom, explain that. How could God be from the eons of eternity past? How could God exist? Explain that. All right, I'll do that. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. You say, that doesn't say much, Brother Tom. It says a whole lot to me. In the beginning, God. That's all that needed to be. Before time ever began, before God set a world in motion, before he made time that we understand, but God never meant for us to dwell in. He just made it so we could fellowship with him and have a home with him. God did not make you for time. God made you for eternity. You live in time. You dwell in time. God did not make you for time. Time fades away. Time passes quickly. Brother Don, we were not made for time. We were made for eternity. To be like him. We know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So in the beginning, God, you say, but that, that still, that brother Tom, that still does not explain how God is eternally self-existent. Nobody created him. How could he be? Brother Richard, it's called faith. You really want me to explain why, how God is ever existent? Avery, I really can't do it. 
I can't do that, Brother Wade. It blows my mind to lay in the bed and think about a God who was eternally before he created a world in time and who will ever be, Brother Don, and who we will dwell with. How beautiful heaven must, oh, I long to go, what heaven must be like. But it'll blow your mind if you try to think about it because you weren't made for this. All you know is this. Brother Earl, God made us for eternity. Because he's a self-existent God, he's eternally self-existent. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he needed none other. And praise be to God, that's the one you serve and know. Because he was eternally existent, he could step out on nothing and create everything. Wasn't two amoebas or two cells that exploded. They had to come from a creator. And Brother Don, they didn't meet and explode and burn and burn and burn and burn and produce an earth that was covered by 70% of water. I've never seen anything burn and be covered with water. Two amoebas did not explode. There is a God, Brother Steve, who's self-existent and did it all. Habakkuk said, that's the God I know. The God I know is self-existent. Number three, the God I know is eternally holy. Thou art not thou from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine, say it, mine, holy one. Mine, holy one. He is eternally holy. Always has been and always will be. God has never made a mistake. Christ never sinned. He was God in the flesh. God has never had an error. Anybody watch the Braves last night? They had three of them. Three of them. You're in trouble in baseball, Brother Don, if you have three errors. You're probably not winning. And when your catcher throws the baseball down the right field line and they clear the bases, you're definitely not winning. God's never had an error. God has never, Brother Steve, God has never stood up off his throne and went, oops, didn't know that was going to happen. Uh-oh. That's never happened. Not from the throne of God, Brother Earl. Now, for you and me, it happens quite often. It's happened quite a bit for us in the last six months. Beth and I thought our house was done Friday. Contractor called. They've installed your vanity. Uh, the house is done. Uh, I'll come by next week and we'll talk and we can sign the papers of completion. And we got home Friday evening, walked in the house, and the vanity's in. Brother Richard, there's two dents in the wall where they tried to put it in. And did they take sheetrock mud and go over them dents and sand it and paint it? Why no? Somebody said, uh-oh, we'll just leave it. Brother Matt, God's never done that. God's never said, uh-oh, or oops. He's the holy God that does not change. He's the holy God that has no errors. His name is holy. Got a lot of scripture, and I'll not read all these because y'all want to go home and see the Braves. His name is holy. His covenants are holy. His scripture is holy. Amen. His laws are holy. The faith of God is holy. His home is holy. His birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his throne, 
and his temples are to be holy. Therefore be ye holy, for I am holy. God expects his people to be holy. Our living sacrifice should be holy. Ephesians 1, 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What did Habakkuk know? He knew God was eternal. Eternally self-existent. Eternally holy. Then he knew that God was eternally faithful. Boy, I like this one phrase. We shall not die. Child of God, you might go through something hard. You might face the judgment of God. You might even go to the woodshed with the Father. But God is faithful. And you shall not die. Habakkuk said, I know the God that's faithful. I know the God that's true. And God, even if you send judgment, we're going to make it through. We shall not die because you're faithful. God, you are faithful through and through. He knew God's promise to Abraham and to King David. What was the promise? An eternal seed and an eternal throne. There's the promise to the children of Israel forever. You'll be established. Abraham, your seed will be as the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky. And David, I'm going to give you an eternal throne. You'll reign from the house of David forever. And one day he is, Brother Earl, because he's the faithful and true one. He is faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Boy, aren't you glad God's faithful to keep his covenants? I preached the other week about my dad. I told the story about my dad, how my dad kept his promise, Brother Don. Aren't you glad God keeps his covenants and promises? Every one of them God's given to you, he's fulfilled. Best I can tell, the best I can tell, there's only one promise in that word of God, Brother Wade, that's not been fulfilled. But I have full assurance, Brother Mike, full assurance, that one's about to take place. Because the God who is faithful promised, and he's come through on every one of them. Every promise God ever made, he kept. Oh, hallelujah. I better not cut in the song. I'll lose my voice. I live each day in victory because of the one who lives in me. I found every promise he ever made. Jesus will keep. He's walked by my side in deserts dry, loved me and held me when I cried. So let me sing you one more song in case I leave. I know how I made it. I made it by grace from the faithful one who's been faithful to every promise. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Uh, Y'all want me to go on? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. He's the faithful God, Brother Steve. And there's not one time that you can say, God let me down. You've let him down and he never moved. He's never let you down. 
He's the faithful God. 1 Corinthians 1, nine. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. God is faithful in every area of your life. And aren't you glad God has a way of escape? But Tom, what is that? I get tempted, and, and, and I don't know what to do. Uh, man, Brother Tom, the temptation is so hard. What is it I'm supposed to do? And let me say it's not what Jiminy Cricket said. It's not give a little whistle. It is Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. There's your way of escape. There's your way of escape. Take the word of God. Hide it in your heart when the temptation comes. Be like Jesus. He quoted it. And he defeated the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All three of them that the devil threw at him. The word of God is you're out. Because God is faithful. God is faithful in the storms. God is faithful in the separation. Amen. Boy, some of y'all, you've been through it recently. And God's still faithful. God's faithful in the separation. He's faithful in the sorrows. God is faithful in the struggles. He's faithful in your strongholds. God is faithful. Habakkuk said, I know the God who is eternal. He's eternally self-existent. He's eternally holy. He's eternally faithful. And then lastly, amen. I did all of that to get to this one thing. Habakkuk said, art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, the self-existent one, mine holy one. We shall not die, the faithful one, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. God is eternally the Almighty One. He is eternally the Almighty One. Almighty God. God alone can do anything He wants to do, and He doesn't need you and me. God is almighty. I mean, he, he, he's mighty enough to take a, a rod of Aaron and let Moses hold it out over water and he separated it and Israel walked through on dry ground. And it wasn't a few inches of water. I think that's pretty awesome if that's what you believe is just a few inches of water that, that they tread upon. Because if that few inches of water is all that, that was there and God drowned Pharaoh and his army with a few inches of water that's an awesome miracle. Two inches of water has never drowned me. Thought I was dying one time in the, in, in the Yellow River. Whew, thanks be to God. And my brother almost did, my brother almost did, Brother Earl, one day. And he caught a root and we pulled him out. Uh, boy, I thought we were gone that day. But I've never been forsaken by the Almighty. He's the Almighty God. He can do anything he wants. Genesis 17.1 And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Revelation 4.8 And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. 
and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who, which was and is and is to come. He is Almighty God. Mighty enough to calm the storm. Mighty enough to take five little loaves of bread and two fishes and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Mighty enough to, to call Lazarus out of the grave. Mighty enough to, to heal a, a woman with an issue of blood. Mighty enough to save a little woman out of well. Mighty enough to save you and me. Mighty enough to save the whole world, Brother Mike. He's Almighty God. He always has been and always will be. Mighty enough to create all that exists. Go home and think about that. How mighty is God? All right, then people, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. God spoke to a man in Genesis 6 that was righteous in the eyes of God and said, there's judgment coming, so I want you to build something. Thank you, Miss Kathy. Thank you, young lady. Say it again. Say it again. An ark. And I want you to take that ark and put animals on it. How many? Each kind. And the clean ones... Say it again, Brother Richard. Seven. I heard Brother Richard say that. I got pretty good ears. No, I don't. My wife does. Two of every cattle, two of every fowl, two of every dog, two of every cat. They should have left them off the ark. Two of every roach, two of every ant, two of every mouse. Two of every beetle bug. Two of every one of them. And God put them in an ark and sealed them. The almighty God Earl of this universe put them in an ark and sealed them. And all them two stinking roaches lived. And them two stinking rats lived. And them two stinking snakes lived. And God the almighty one took them through the storm set them on the top of Mount Ararat, and God let Noah and his family come out the top of that ark, not the door. God sealed the door. When they left the ark, they went that way. Don't miss that. You went in the door, and you're going out that way. That's going to hit somebody about 1130 tonight, and you're going to shout one time in your life. You went in the door, and you're going out that way. Thank you, Brother Earl. At least somebody's with me. And then all them animals come out. And I want you to tell me how the almighty God of this universe took two ants and put them all over the world. But Tag, how did the almighty God of heaven take two nasty roaches and put them all over the world? Two armadillos, Brother Mike, and put them all over the state of Georgia to tear up your backyard. He's the Almighty One. You say, I, I, that blows my mind. It does mine too. And there's not much to be blown. But Brother Earl, there was only one that could do that. 
And Habakkuk said, that's the God I know. That's the God I know. He's eternally self-existent. He's eternally holy. He's eternally faithful. He's eternally almighty. And whatever it is you need in your life, and whatever you're facing in this day of violence and judgment and hindrance and disturbance, why don't you just turn your eyes on the one you know? Get your eyes on the one you know. And say, God, you are. You're eternally the same. And you're faithful and true. And so I'll just trust you, Lord, because through it all, no matter what we go through, we shall not die. Because I'm safe. Oh, glory to God. Might as well lose my voice and wait till Sunday. Hallelujah, safe in the arms of Jesus. Sheltered safe within the eternal arms of God. Just want to say, I'm glad, Brother Don, I know who Jesus is. That's the God I know. He's the God that can still move mountains. The God I know can calm the raging seas. He holds you safely in his arms. He won't let go. Brother Mike, that's the God I know. Thank you, Lord, that I know you.